0: Welcome back to 10,000 No's. We are still in our holiday hiatus, so I am reposting the interview that I posted last New Year's Day with Charlie Rocket Jabalay. He is an incredible story of transformation. I won't go on because you're going to hear the introduction that I gave him last year. Please disregard any mentions of dates. That is from a year ago. So uh, when I say at the end, I may have said who was coming up next in the next episodes, uh, that no longer applies. I'm just giving it to you exactly as it was a year ago, because I think at this time of year, this interview is very inspirational Uh, I would love to remind you about the 10,000 Nose store, 10,000nose.com slash store. I will put that link in the show notes if you want to get hats or t-shirts to support the podcast. Also, I will put a link to pre-order Limerence, an independent film that I did a few years ago. We can pre-order that on iTunes. It releases on January 7th, 2020. It'll be available on, if not all platforms, a bunch of platforms like Netflix and Amazon. But pre-ordering it on iTunes really supports the film because it gives it more visibility. So if you can do that, that would be great. It's a couple of bucks, or maybe it's 12 bucks. And I think we do flash sales on certain days. If you follow me on social media, you can see that. But for now, right before the new year, here is last year's interview with Charlie Rocket Jabbily.
1: So when I went to my artists and my business partners and I said that I wanted to retire, they were they were confused. And they said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to be an athlete. What, what does that mean, Charlie? 29 years old, 300 pounds, you're going to be an athlete? Yes, because that was my dream that I buried when I was a little kid.
0: you're a person who's heard the word no from a boss, an ex, a team that cut you, a job market that didn't want you, an accident or diagnosis that left you debilitated and depressed, or felt paralyzed by any setback that you just weren't willing to accept, this is the show for you. 10,000 No's is a roadmap built by guests who have blazed trails, silenced critics, and overcome the odds by facing down their fears and transforming their failures into fuel. I don't care if you're young or old, healthy or sick, there is always an opportunity for growth. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. Welcome to 2019, people. It is January 1st, and I am fired up for this year If you're not fired up, you better check your pulse. I know people say that people lose their New Year's resolutions two weeks from now, but I don't care. This is a new beginning, a new slate. Wipe it clean. You watched the ball drop last night, and here we go. Now, a few weeks ago, after the John Gordon interview, I said we're going to take a hiatus. I was thinking we were going to wait until early February 2019. And then I met Charlie Rocket. And I had this conversation that you're about to hear today with this gentleman that I did not know. Uh, I had met someone about two weeks prior to the conversation where we sat down. I had met someone at a retreat in San Diego. He direct messaged me and said, you've got to interview this guy. Get him on your show, Charlie Rocket. I go to his Instagram feed. His story is incredible. He was over three hundred pounds, a brain tumor. Uh, he was a a music manager handling rap artists. Uh, had this incredible story, and he decided he was going to walk away from it, and he wanted to be an athlete. And he proceeded to not just be an athlete. He proceeded to complete an Ironman triathlon in. Australia or New Zealand, sorry. And he did it in such an incredible way. I mean, he he said what he was going to do. He said it out loud and he did it. And what you're going to find out and you're going to hear in this interview and why I wanted to post it today is that he has been doing this his whole life. He He throws out these incredible goals that seem impossible to everybody around him And then he reverse engineers and he does the work and he works toward them and he accomplishes them. So inspiring. This guy is living what he's preaching. And I I felt like there's no better way for you to start out your year than to hear someone like this. When I sat down across from him, I really was blown away and you'll hear it in my voice. And here's another thing. You know, he has this whole thing about uh, really wanting to talk about his failures um, on his Instagram feed and talking about uh, it, it, taking his shirt off and showing he felt like he was fat when he was training. He was, you know, 300 pounds and he was ashamed of it. And he said, I want to expose it. I want to be the anti Instagram, which is what I have said with 10,000 no's. And we tried something that was a failure. While we did this interview, we set up our our phone cameras and we did Instagram live while we were recording. And when we got done, halfway through, you'll hear me say something and he gets up and we kind of heard reverb coming from it. Anyway, we get to the end, we finished it. And I said, man, I was really thrown off in the beginning by those cameras. I didn't like it. And he said, oh, I was thrown off too. I didn't like it at all. So we ended up scrapping the Instagram Live. We deleted the video. And I went back and I listened and I thought, oh, did we trash the interview? And you really can't hear it at all in the interview. I felt like we were both dropped in. And the reason I bring it up is you got to try things and you're going to fail in some of those things. And it's not the end of the world. And we still got the interview and we just realized, oh, we don't want to do that. And we both said, yeah, I would never really do that again. Maybe we'll try it again. Maybe he will at some point. I will at some point. I don't know. The point is, you never know until you try. And what's the worst? You fall on your face. One thing doesn't work out, but another thing does. And this interview, I'm really excited about uh, Charlie Jabbly, a.k.a. Charlie Rocket. I'm just going to let him take it away. I love the way we... Uh, We met each other. It's crazy to me because it's happening more and more these days Mm -hmm. Uh, through Instagram. Yeah, Somebody I had met, um, I'm going to butcher his last name, but Jeff Tartarachuk, Tartarachuk. Yeah. Um, I had met him briefly in San Diego and he like a week later said, you got to have this guy on the show. And I was like, okay, cool. And I didn't know you at the time. And I, I think I just direct messaged you and you just shot back immediately. And (laughs) I was like, I'm kind of like, you know, pausing on the interviews for, for a little bit to work on my screenplay. And you're like, let's do it next week. I was like, all right, let's do it. And here we are. So, um, I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you for making the trip here. And, uh, and I've been listening to yours, uh, for those of you who follow me, um, Charlie's got this, I, I love it. It's a it's a great new podcast called The Charlie Rocket Show. And it's just you your your take on things is is so incredible. So I wanna we won't even talk about it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna start walking you through. Um let let's let's walk you through kind of where you came from. You talked at one point, I heard you on the podcast talking about your parents selling vacuums and your grandparents selling vacuums. Yeah. So let's go, let's go back to your childhood. So, when I was little, like I didn't know that selling vacuum cleaners
1: or being a vacuum cleaner salesman was looked down upon by society. You know, like my family was the ones who would like come knock on your door and people would be like, "I don't want to buy anything." And we would like that's how we made our living. Like my grandfather started in 1952. And I was named after my grandfather. Like my grandfather was my idol. He was the coolest cat in the world, Lebanese man. Wavy hair. He would go to church every Sunday, and you know, I would, I would, I would want to be just like him. I was like, I want to go to church with you. Nobody in my family went to church, and I was like, I want to be baptized, and then I want to like go to Sunday school. I just wanted to hang around him, and. My, he sold vacuum cleaners, my dad sold vacuum cleaners, my mom sold vacuum cleaners, and I sold vacuum cleaners too. I mean, I'm a teenager, and I was ready to get out there, walk around the neighbors, the box on my shoulder, and I would try to convince people to buy a $2,000 vacuum cleaner from a 17-year-old kid. And I sold quite a few of them. I remember my first sale. I actually sold two vacuum cleaners to one single dad guy, and he was just fascinated by it. He was like, "Man, this thing is really cool." And when I had to go draw up the contract, I was like, "I've never sold one before. Let me call <laughs> let me call my mom to ask her how I fill this contract out so yeah that was that was my childhood
0: well what what was it because you have um you have something where you, as a, as a, a producer, you know, you are you are, you've won a Grammy, mm-hmm. you are, uh, you have this ability to um, provide a service for people. Yes. By the way, I'm hearing reverb, but we, is that cool? Do you hear us?
1: Uh uh-uh, uh, I don't hear us. I turned my volume down. Okay,
0: okay. Um so you you have this uh, this ability to provide service and you and you hustle. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything that I heard it's like you you just just hustling and and taking tapes and going to radio stations mm-hmm. and is that something that was um just you feel like it's it's in your DNA. It's a, it sounds like you've been doing this since you were really young. But what what is it that you like how do you um envision it when you are when you are are uh, providing something to someone because a lot of people in sales there's a there's kind of this um feeling that like i i don't know they think of it as sales so, and they, so they don't make the sale but i don't i don't get from from what i know of you and listening to you it doesn't sound, seem like sales it seems like you are providing a service
1: 100 percent so when i got fired uh from being soldier boys cameraman I was, I was 18 years old. After that, I said, you know what? I'm going to be a music manager. And I signed this girl group, got them a record deal, and they left me. And I was so distraught that at that time, I went to this man by the name of Bill Cook. He was my mom's vacuum cleaner manager. I've never told anybody this story. My mom had many managers you know, who managed the office, but there was only one that she loved, and she loved this man, Bill Cook, he would motivate her and 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 she would be loyal to him, and she would want to work harder for him, and he would make her feel good and When I was like five or six years old, and I would come into the office, he would have toys laid out in the vacuum cleaner office, and he said. He, he, and, and, you know, I'd come in and I'd say, mom, look, it's a fire engine. And Bill would look at my mom and say, you make two sales today and little Charlie can have the have the fire engine. And what would my mom do? She would go out and make those sales. He would just be so motivating in a loving way. So when I got fired from being a manager for the first time in my life, living in my mom's basement, bumping my head, dropped out of college to pursue this, haven't been able to figure it out. I went to Bill and I said, Bill, where am I going wrong? He said, first and foremost, you have to be of servitude. If you want to be successful, you have to be of servitude. Yes, these artists are assigned to you, but you are their servant. They won't leave you if you are of servitude. And it was a complete rewiring for me because I'm in the music industry. I'm thinking I'm big boss, CEO, Charlie and da, da, da. And here he is telling me I need to be of service. So I reprogrammed myself. I got rid of all the hype and all the fluff. And like with Soldier Boy, he gave me like this diamond chain and I'm feeling myself and I'm the man. And then with my first girl group, we got a record deal and I'm the man and I'm not distracted by girls. But I put my CEO Charlie hat back on. I got rid of all the fancy fluff. And I said, I'm going to find one play that is going to guarantee me to be successful. And I don't need to be known as the the fancy manager. I just need to be known as the guy who's going to get things done and the guy who's going to win at all costs. And I would sit down behind that MySpace computer every day. And I would post MySpace comments for eight, 10 hours. That was my play, communicating with people. That was the only way I could get the word out. I didn't have money. So if I want people to hear our songs, I have to go make friends. Like if I go meet you, hey, what's your name? Oh, my name is this. Oh, what do you do? Oh, well, I'll do this. Oh, well, this is my group. So I would have hundreds and hundreds of those conversations a day, not in the manner of, hey, man. Uh, can you check out my music and give me feedback? That one, That's not how you build a friendship. Right. You build a friendship by actually communicating and caring. So that's what I did. I ran that play. And Travis Porter went from us living in our mom's basements to we worked our way all the way up to having three top 20 records in the country because I would find these plays. It started off with MySpace comments. Then... I would take it to DJs and I would drive from every radio station from Jackson, Mississippi to Washington, D.C. And, 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 and I just wanted to, to show them how much I cared. I didn't have money like record labels did, but I had passion. Yeah. And I would, I would, I would take the DJ's name and I would, I'd vinyl press it on the back of a hoodie and I'd make a hoodie called Salute the DJ. And, and they would have a customized hoodie for when they're DJing, it can have their name on the back dj swamp Izzo or dj fresh or any dj and i would go from every city and do this and most people would email their songs mp3 me i would call the dj and said what's your address and they would say you know dj swamp Izzo at com." and i said no 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 what's your actual address because i'm going to mail you something yeah I'd go down in Atlanta on Cheshire Bridge there's this place called Service Box and Tape and I would I would I would search through all the different box templates and I would find this perfect box. It would be about this wide and it would open like this and it was flat. I would fold a hoodie and put it on this side of the box. Then on this side of the box, I'd have a little small box and another little small box. And when they open this box up, inside is a CD. That's our song we're promoting. And when they open up this box, there's four or five different stickers and a letter. And I figured if I just ran this play, say there's 75 DJs in the southeast that matter. Well, I'm just going to own those DJs. And I took it to the next level. I wanted to be of service to the DJs. And I've never told anybody this story. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> I've never told anybody this story. So I wanted to be of service, not just to my artists, but of to the DJs. And I realized DJs needed an easier way to get their music. There was a DJ website out there that existed called DigiWax. And it would make you log in and it would make you answer these questions before you could even download a song. And they didn't even have all the songs and it was updated slow. They, they were like, really just trying to make money from record labels. They weren't trying to help the DJs. So I said, I'm going to build a DJ website made for the DJs, and I want to help them get their music better. But ultimately, I'm going to own the expressway that they drive down so I can put my billboards up on the side. Yep. So I created the biggest DJ website in the world for urban DJs because I was solving an issue for them. And now all the DJs were like, man, Charlie, man, we love DJServicePack.com. Like, this is the best website anybody's ever made. And I, I hired a staff and we ran it. And I had the best DJ relationships in the world because I wanted to be of service to them. I wanted to create Something that helped them, so that is uh, a a big way how I was able to get top twenty records in the country.
0: Well, let me ask you. I mean, it's it's brilliant. But if somebody's listening, or in this case, watching, um, and they're going, "Okay, great, yeah, that's an incredible idea." How did you execute it, though? Because a lot of people would go, "Like, I don't know the first thing about building a you know a high super highway for the <laughs> DJs." Like, what did you do? Did you go find people that were web designers did you go find did you have skill in that area or did you, or were you just smart enough to go I'm going to get the right people to do this this I'm the visionary they're going to carry it out
1: I had a little bit of knowledge on doing websites because when I was a teenager in high school I built a huge hip-hop website that blew up that's how I was able to go on tour with Soldier Boy so there was this kid I met who lived in Chicago young kid younger than me And his name was Joseph. And he was just, man, like, man, Charlie, I'll help you out. So when it was time to build the DJ website, I went and found somebody young. I was a young guy. You know, I went and found somebody young. Um, Let's hit the red button on that real quick. Sorry about that. My phone was ringing. Um, So I went and found somebody young. It's what I could afford, you know, and he was hungry and I was just being resourceful. And the website I built was on WordPress. And, you know, I hired an intern. Her name was Lil Bit. Like, she was just like... And how old were you at this time? uh, When I built that website, I was probably 20 years old. So, yeah, it was just being resourceful. It's like, when you're obsessed, you're going to find a way to get something done. If you're not obsessed, but the key thing is I shut down my brain. The brain will play tricks, and that's why I try to act like a kid as much as possible. Because as kids, um, let's say we're like six years old, I want to be an astronaut. Our brain is not working. like Because like if our brain's working, it'll be like, well, that's not realistic, or that's going to be very hard. or That's what we do as adults. But when I operate like a kid, I let my heart do the talking, and then I just show up. I say, I want to build the biggest DJ website in the world. Instead of thinking, well okay, this is going to be hard, or how am I going to do this? I never do it that way. I did the same thing when I walked away from music, and I said, I'm going to be an athlete. Like, I'm just acting like a kid as much as I try. I can. can That's you- why I wore this today. Like, this is like all 1990s, like, you know, Nickelodeon shows, yeah, and yeah. like I'm wearing my moon boots. Because it's like, if I was in high school, it'd just be fun to like wear moon boots. And look at my pants. This is like
0: moon crater.
1: Like, it's just like, I'm having fun.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's it. So tell people uh, that, that don't know your story. Um, first of all, even since we have it going, going live as well, um, for, for that audience, give everybody your Instagram handle.
1: Yeah, my Instagram is at Charlie on Instagram. Just just uh, at Charlie, just but
0: Charlie. Tell yeah. them your story about the Nike athlete because I, I just think it's it's an incredible story of exactly what you're talking about, and that's that's why I'm I've been texting you for the last week as I listen to your podcast and as I look at your feed, and I'm just so impressed is because you really are walking the walk of. Of what you talk about, and and you really did just just give everybody that story of how you became, what's it considered a Nike athlete? Is yeah. that yeah? It's it's incredible. Give, give us give us that.
1: Thank you, man. Um, when I walked away from 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 my business, I ran a fifteen million dollar a year music business, uh, won Grammys, world tours. I mean, I had pretty much everything anybody could ever want. You, and and yet I wasn't happy at all. I was sick of 305 pounds and diagnosed with a brain tumor. The brain tumor was wrapped around my left optic nerve, applying pressure on the artery that goes into the brain and started corroding the top of my spinal cord. And I realized everything in my life had to change. Not just something. But you ever seen a movie that sucked? Like the, the ending was terrible. Like maybe the worst movie I've ever seen was like The Last Avengers. Everybody's just going to die. Like, But that's how I felt. Like if I were about to die, I would be like, that's a terrible ending. There's one thing we all have in common. We all want a good ending. And here I am about to have a terrible ending. I was like, that can't be my life. And I would say to myself over and over, my story isn't over yet. My story isn't over yet. My story isn't over yet. So when I went to my artists and my business partners and I said that I wanted to retire, they were, they were confused. And they said, well, what are you going to do? I said, well, I'm going to be an athlete. What, what does that mean, Charlie? 29 years old, 300 pounds, you're going to be an athlete? Yes, because that was my dream that I buried when I was a little kid. I did what was realistic for me, and that was to become a businessman. But my dream, our our truest dream is a lot like solitaire on a Windows computer. It's just there. There's nothing you downloaded. It's nothing you thought about. You just open it up, and solitaire is there. That's what we had. Like, I didn't choose to be an athlete. I wanted that. It was just in me, but I buried it. And I had to complete that journey before I died. I have to know what it's like to be an athlete. And I told my, my business partners and my artists, I said, this isn't my practice life. This is my only one. And I made up my mind. I wrote a contract to myself. And I said, I'm going to do an Ironman. And I, I lost 130 pounds. I did five marathons. I completed an Ironman in New Zealand. I biked across America. And all this was in the past year.
0: And here, incredible, man.
1: here I am trying to figure out how I'm going to make money because <laughs> I've, I've, I've walked away from my business and I'm chasing my dream and I'm becoming everything I wanted to do. But it's like, okay. Fantasy is nice, but you gotta make money. And I said, you know what? I'm gonna be a Nike athlete. Because I love Nike.
0: <laughs> the very But this is I just love how, how my cra- brain how crazy it is, but that you actually pulled this off is incredible, man. <laughs> Go, keep going. Sorry.
1: So so there I am and I'm like, wow, like the very first stock I ever bought when I was like eight, nine years old. Uh, my grandfather, my dad, and I had a stock buying competition and I saved up a little money from like doing chores and stuff. And I was like, I want to buy Nike. And you like, why? Like the stock has been doing terrible. This like 1996 stock price has been doing terrible. I'm like, that's where Michael Jordan is. Like Nike's cool. And, they were worried sick about me my my grandfather bought like some like utility company my dad bought like sara lee or something like just nice steady stocks and i'm buying the stock that's been going down well they released the presto michael jordan releases wins a couple championships Stock price is flying i won the competition nike has always been my favorite company because they're an inspiration company and i said if i want to be a nike athlete I have to have a commercial and I have to have a commercial that inspires people. So I said, well, they're not going to just give it to me because I want it. I got to make it myself. So I go out and I find a videographer. I actually didn't find the videographer. I wrote down in my notebook and he walked through my front door that same day. That today I found my videographer, a lot of law of attraction, quantum stuff, but, um, if you listen to my latest podcast, you'll hear the story. I heard it yesterday. I love it. But my videographer walked through my front door, and a week before, he called a meeting with his friends saying, man, why aren't we the ones out shooting these Nike commercials? Because he's like 36. He's a little bit older, and all these like young guys are shooting the big Nike commercials. But a week before he walked in my front door, he had a meeting. We need to be the ones shooting the Nike commercials. He meets me. I say, we need to shoot a fan-made Nike commercial. And at the end, we're going to put insert Nike logo here. (laughs) And I titled that commercial, My Story Isn't Over Yet. And I put it out. Nike called me three days later. Said, we don't know who you are, but you have our campus in a frenzy. We want to fly you up to Beaverton, Oregon. And, uh. We got something we want to show you. And I was stoked. I mean, I'm jumping up and down. I'm screaming, hollering. They tweeted my video. The video got a million views. Wow. It actually hit a million views when I was on campus. It was completely viral. And um, they said, we have big plans. And I was like, what you got? They said, we can't talk about it. I was like, okay. But whenever you need, Charlie, we want to support you. So then I go off, I bike across America. At first, I do the Ironman in New Zealand. Then I bike across America, and I get back, and Nike calls me. And they say, Charlie, we, we have something big we want to involve you in. I said, yeah? He said, there's a 30-year anniversary of Just Do It campaign coming up. We're going to do a big campaign, and we want you involved in it. You're going to be in a Nike commercial. And I had been writing down for almost a year, I'm going to be in a Nike commercial. I'm going to be in a Nike commercial. I am I actually would write, I'm going to be in a commercial with LeBron and Serena. And I'll write it over and over and over. And uh, ends up, I was in a Nike commercial with LeBron and Serena. It was the big Colin Kaepernick
0: ad. You literally had written that down. Uh, yes. LeBron and Serena. Yes. And yeah. you have it documented too, right? I mean, oh, you put it out oh, there yeah. in all your journals and everything. Oh. Just so anybody who's listening, it's going, you know, oh, come on. It's no. Oh, yeah. It's
1: it's real. Everybody who's been following me for the past year, they they yeah. know. Yeah. Um, and I've got every notebook dating back to when I was about 12 years old. So I still have them all.
0: Well, th- there's something you said there, and I noticed you did this with your podcast as well. And it's uh, it's kind of a... It's interesting because you're so you are so uh, heart driven mm-hmm. and vision driven, and yet you are really pragmatic. You you said it just now. You said I want to be a Nike athlete. Mm-hmm. Well, if I want to be a Nike athlete, I need to have a commercial. Yeah, and you work backwards, you reverse engineer it. Yes, you did that with. When you, with the whole thing that you were telling us before with the DJs, mm-hmm. when you were rapping artists, mm-hmm. you uh, you did it with the podcast. You talk about it on the podcast, how you said, now, how does this whole thing work with the algorithm? And mm-hmm. it works and you figured out the system. Yes. And then you reverse engineer. Yes. So you, you had this um, incredible combination of, from from where I'm sitting of being a visionary and yet also having a practicality about you that, that actually gets it done. Yeah. Where, where did that come from? Like, was that in there back when you were the little kid selling vacuum cleaners as well? Mm -hmm. Like that kind of, that ability to, to see the future and then work your way toward it? I I would say it would definitely come from selling
1: vacuum cleaners because with vacuum cleaners, you get told no so many times, but, It's a numbers game, and I want to be able to find one play that I know will guarantee a a Super Bowl championship for that season. I'm just going to run that one play over and over. I'm doing it with my podcast right now. So I'm like, okay, um, the algorithm to be in the top charts, people have to subscribe, people have to rate, and people have to listen. So I was like, okay, what can I do every single day that will guarantee me a win. So I said, okay, I'm going to message 500 people a day. And I will be able to, if I message 500 people a day and 62, because the 62 subscribe, every single day after three months, that's 5,500 ratings. Like 5,500 ratings is like a real deal podcast, but that's only three months. So people always think things are hard, but things are only hard if you don't understand it. Things aren't hard because you got to do the work. People, people have hard misunderstood. Tying my shoe at one point was hard, but once I understood it, it was easy. Doing multiplication at one time was hard, but once I understood it, it became easy. So having a top 10 podcasts in the world is not hard if you understand the one play to do it. Messaging 500 people today. Yeah, it takes four or five hours. Is that hard? Not exactly. Because it's like, okay, we're going to sit down. We're going to use our thumb and we're going to like say hello. It's not exactly hard if you understand it. So I look for the one play. I'm going to pass out CDs every night. For two chains outside the club every night. Yeah, I'm the CEO of the company. Yeah, I'm wearing a suit, but I'm going to pass out the CDs myself because that's going to guarantee my success. I can't put my guarantee into another human's hands. And some of the people in the music industry they would look at me crazy. Charlie, why are you standing out the outside the club passing out the CD? I was like, I'm going to be successful, like nobody else will hand it out with the enthusiasm I have. Nobody else will say that special little thing because these are drunk people walking out of clubs. So you got to say the right thing so that make sure they don't throw it on the ground and ruin my investment. I'm going to pass it out and I'm not going to have to do it for my whole life, but I'm going to do it till we get off the ground. And I'm doing that. I do that with everything. With vacuum cleaner cells, it's like I've got to knock on 50 doors before one person lets me in. Okay, well, how do I knock on 500 doors? That means 10 people let me in. Like, that's a play. I'm just going to run the play.
0: It's incredible. I I actually have spoken on this podcast about my freshman football coach, John Hurley, and that's what he did. We we were undefeated. We weren't big. But he'd say, we're going to run the 34 dive. Okay. And if we get two or three yards a pop, that's all we're gonna run. Every and we're time we're gonna run it until they stop it. Uh-huh. If they stop it, then we'll go to a twenty-six blast. Uh-huh. But we're gonna run it right up the middle. And we were we were small, uh-huh. but we were quick. We were well coached. We were well conditioned, and and we never lost. Mm. And we were just. <laughs> and, and he was like, you know, he had all of these kind of. He had all these sayings like nobody walks on the hill. And what's that know, mean? Well, there was a hill behind my junior high. You got to uh, run it. And you, yeah, anytime you went up the hill, I still say it to my kids. Nobody uh-huh. walks on the hill. You uh-huh. Like, like it, it's it, any anytime you would go up the hill because the practice field was down uh-huh. here and the school was up here, and he'd say nobody walks on the ah. hill, so you couldn't walk up the hill. If right. you're going to the hill, you sprinted up it, nice. and like just just stuff like that. And and we would we would grind teams down that were bigger than us, mm-hmm. and and we were just very sharply. Coached mm-hmm. and executed. And and when you said that, when you were saying that, and I was kind of preparing to talk to you and I was listening to your podcast, I was like, oh, I gotta tell him about Coach <laughs> Hurley. Um, but you really, you know, that that's the other thing is that like I think sometimes people could hear someone like you talk mm-hmm. and misconstrue what you're saying because you are like dream big, dream big. But mm-hmm. then you actually do the work. Mm-hmm. You do the work. You mm-hmm. are on there messaging everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that's how you know, so everybody can hear it. That's how we met. Yeah, somebody suggested it. I mean, I I swear to God, I I messaged you just kind of. But do you know why somebody messaged you about me?
1: Because I was so honest on my Instagram. I said I've been told no by so many podcasts that it's like if there's anybody who podcast you think I should be on. Please just message them. Like, I just put that out there. And all these people were like, oh, you should be on this one. You should be on this one. And podcasts were able to be set up because I was just being honest. I was like, I don't have to act like I'm some big famous guy because I'm not. Like, you could tell anybody who has 100,000 followers is not famous. (laughs) Like, it's like we're we're, we're, we're hustling. But it's like I just like being honest with my fan base. Like, I need y'all's help. Yeah. I'm being told no, but maybe you guys can help me get some
0: yeses. And then stuff like this comes out of it. So yeah. it's
1: just being real.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's a lesson that I I was just talking to a friend recently, and I don't feel like I have done enough of that really, where I've tried to be the, you know, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to do it on my own. You know, I mean, I've had plenty of help, um, but I don't think I've, I, I watch the way you operate and I think, Man, it's smart. It's it's really it's really simple in a in a crazy way. What you do is uh, it's like it's so astounding on one level, and yet it's so simple. <laughs> you're you. just like, this is what I'm looking for, guys. Can you help? I, and then you're like, I'll do my part. I'll hustle. And then people, you know,
1: I give you an example of of another play I'm going to run. So when I release my book, I, I don't want to have a publishing deal. But I do want to be in Barnes and Nobles, so I figured, how do we get in Barnes and Noble? What's a play I can run? I was like, okay, fan base, for the next thirty days, we all have to make. Let's call Barnes and Nobles uh, five thousand times, you know. And if I have, you know, a thousand people, you know, make five calls over a thirty-day period, it's like Barnes and Nobles is going to get so many calls that when I call them and be like. I'm Charlie, like I have a book. They'll be like, we've been requested this book so many times, but it's just a simple play I can run. Like, okay, guys, here's the Barnes and Nobles phone numbers. Let's just everybody call and request in the next 20 minutes. And Barnes and Nobles is going to be like, we have to get this because it's not every day that they're going to get 5,000 calls about a book. Yeah. But we're going to call them 5,000 times. <laughs> and they're going to be like, well, we got to stock it. Yeah. You know? And, that is just a simple play that saves me potentially from having to go get a publishing deal. Like, yeah. cause my goal is to be in stores. So, Hey guys, when the book comes out, we're going to call Barnes and Noble. Yeah. But just a simple play that gets an outstanding result.
0: Yeah. That was it. Well, that was another system that you kind of looked into and, deconstructed, I, I heard you talk about that with, you know, what does it take to get on the bestsellers list? And then you started to realize, oh, the people are, you know, it's kind of this whole machine and then, it, but but it's not necessarily great for the author, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and, and so, yeah, just saying that you you've kind of, yeah, deconstructified it, mm-hmm. it, it deconstructified, I'm making I up like words, that. deconstructed uh, the system <laughs> and then and then kind of, again, reverse engineer, how do I get there? Right um deconstructified (laughs) so so uh tell us about this um we kind of talked about the the nike athlete Mm -hmm. um what did you do like where what is the status of the brain tumor Oh,
1: brain tumor is shrunk. Sorry, I, I'm known to glaze over that because it's it's something I've I'm I'm going to live with my entire life. But it has shrunk. My body is imbalanced. It's a pituitary tumor, so it's all about the hormones. And when I cleaned up my diet, I went vegan. I like like went like raw vegan for a while, like very very strict. I wanted to eat living foods. That was my goal. If I'm dying, and you are what you eat, is what I'm eating, dead or alive. That was the question I asked myself, and uh, yeah, so it's been it's been amazing. It's been amazing. I'm I'm happy. I'm healthy. You know, I still have about forty pounds to lose, but I don't feel like I'm about to die, and that's the best feeling.
0: Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. It's incredible that you just kind of put it out into the universe, and then and then made things happen so so swiftly. Really. And, and And yet, all of that work has been the groundwork was laid mm-hmm. beforehand. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you this little pop quiz. Okay. Um, the word no uh-huh. really means what?
1: Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> they just didn't complete the sentence.. Yep. It's like there's at and then a y and an et after the no. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I had another. Gu- I had another guest say uh, they're like it's a it's a no, but there's a comma, after. Uh, I like you know, that. which is something. Didn't you say that wasn't that your thing? Yeah, the it, story's not comma. over yet with yeah. a comma. Yeah,
1: so no is um so so in sales, I was taught by this man named Clay, uh, and I don't know who he got it from, but it's out there. I'm sure. Um, buy, cry or die. Okay. I'll give an example. Um, Like I've asked, and he's been very respectful. So, uh, like a man named uh, Lewis House. Oh yeah, and he's told me no fifteen times, which he can run his business however he wants. I don't get mad at a man for you know being busy or having certain guests he wants. But I've asked him a lot, and he's told me no a lot in a very nice, respectful way. But by cry or die means. You're either going to buy, you're going to cry, and beg me to stop to stop asking you, or you're going to get so old that you're going to die, and uh, <laughs> I won't be able to ask you anymore. But that's my mentality going yeah. into it. I would do it with radio stations, and it would be buy, cry, or die. It's like, you're going to play this record, or you're going to cry because I ask you so much, like, just please stop asking, or you're going to get so old and you're going to die.
0: It's great. So you just remove the ego. It's just that you just go and expect, it's like you're expecting the no's. And so that you're like, yeah, the first, the first hundred, of course, they're going to happen. It's fine. Mm -hmm. Doesn't slow me down.
1: Nope. I, um, I, I learned a lot from Diddy and how he marketed Ciroc. He was so passionate about it at the beginning. And I was like, why? Like this all you talk about, like like it's it's literally like you're on the sidewalk with a toilet and you're pouring gray goose into it and like and it's just like like you're kind of obnoxious. I'm kinda of tired of you talking about this. But he knew what his finish line looked like. And now he makes, you know, ninety million dollars a year from it. It's like, oh now I get it. He wasn't trying to be passive or tasteful or respectful to what we as the audience cared about no he's gonna shove it down our throats and now we get it oh now i see why so i'm sure there's people who follow me on instagram like charlie like we know you have a podcast like stop talking about it but in six months when it's world renowned you'll be like oh that's why he was going so hard with it i get it yeah so anybody who gets mad
0: they'll be back it's a great way to look a great way to to think of it um it's actually so uh Bedros Kulian is a friend of mine who is, I think, tight with Lewis mean so Maybe that's your end. I talked to him. I was hanging out with him, and so, something happened. We came up with social media. And I said, how do you – you're so seamlessly kind of like somebody came over to say something, and he just – without messing up the vibe, he just kind of like brought it in. And if you ever follow him on, on social media, he's so warm and friendly, but it's like he's, he's pumping them out all the time, mm-hmm. great content. And I said, "How do you do it? Like, don't doesn't don't you feel like it messes with your like being in the moment or whatever?" And he's like, "Look, I feel like what I do helps people. I've seen it help people. It's my duty. It's my obligation to get it in their hands. Mm-hmm. And that's how he looks at it. Because I I've been the the other way where like I, mean, I didn't even think of like my podcast. I I love what it's been." Love what it's been, but I have been more passive. Of like, oh, they'll come, they'll come get it, they'll come mm-hmm. get it. And it's and you know, I'm listening to you, and I'm going like, oh no, no, you got to go out there, you got to put it out there mm-hmm. more. And and I'm sure there are people that follow me. I mean, my brothers, I always like, you post too much, and it's like that are probably like, <laughs> you know, you're 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 talking about your podcast all the time because I am because I love it. Yeah, I love what I'm doing. I feel like it's you know, I'm giving you something for free. Yeah. I'm like you know and and so I like to talk about it but I could even do even do more. Yeah. Um so the next uh, the next question is okay first phrase that comes to mind it could be right now first phrase it could be you know book title song title uh, lyric a uh, quote whatever what what is it?
1: This <laughs> <laughs> so always stumps people. This is a great one because all right so I have um a bad relationship with money. Ma uh, my mom, uh, we grew up thrift stores. Like I didn't have a pair of jeans until high school. Like we would pinch every penny growing up. Like even in the winter time, um, living in Atlanta, it gets very cold, like in the teens. And my dad wouldn't turn on the heat to save money. So he would take the wood burning fireplace. And he would hook up these like ducks to it, like, and in the fan system, and he would try to blow the warm air throughout the house. And the house was built in like 1900. And I would be so cold that I would like change clothes under eight quilts, because it was the only place that was warm. And then I got smart. And I was like, Charlie, why don't you just change in the shower? Like turn the hot water on, it'll be steamy and then like you'll be like warm enough to take your clothes off and change your clothes out of your pajamas. So, since I have a bad relationship with spending money because I get it from my parents, I always say this world-famous two-chains line. It's world-famous to me because I repeat it every day. <laughs> we spend it and get it back. We had invented that. So, anytime I spend money, I say I spend it and get it back. I had invented that. So it's like, if I spend it, I'm going to get it back. So that's that's what that's I, say that it, I say it 50 times a day. Really? Anytime I spend money. I don't spend 50 times a day. But whenever I spend money, I always say, I spend it and get it back. We had invented that.
0: <laughs> wow. I like that. I, li- I might steal that. Um, all right, the last one. If you could give your younger self advice... Uh huh. What age mm-hmm. would you intervene, mm-hmm. and what would the advice be? All right, so audience is gonna
1: hate my answer um, because how I look at, I am so optimistic, I am delusionally optimistic. So how I look, and this is gonna be corny, but um, corny's good, man. All right, so anything that bad happens in my life is a negative, and a negative is like a horizontal line. Okay? It's like a a negative sign. And that knocks you down. But when you get up, it turns into a positive. So like if I didn't have a brain tumor, which is a negative, if I wasn't 305 pounds, which is a negative, those knocked me down. But when I got up, those were my tools to be successful. I was able to get a Nike deal because of it. So I got up and I used anything that was wrong with me to my advantage. So... I wouldn't tell myself to change anything because if I did, I wouldn't have things knock me down. I would have like avoided being knocked down if I went in like Charlie, like, don't make those mistakes. The only thing I would say is when my grandfather was, was dying, my best friend was dying, I was I was not focused and I was spending time with this girl instead. And I was going down the wrong path in life. This is right when I was, this is right when I was getting into the music scene in, 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 in high school. And I remember I bought this 1979 Cadillac Coupe de Ville. And my grandfather said to me, he said, that's for the birds. I said, what do you mean, Jidi? Jidi is uh, Arabic for grandfather. He's Lebanese. And I said, man, this is cool. He said, that's for the birds. You're going down the wrong path. And he always had a plan for me. Remember when I wanted to join the church, I wanted to get baptized. At age 12, I got baptized. Go to Sunday school. In the Catholic church, there's seven sacraments, okay? Seven sacraments. First one's baptism. Second one's confirmation. Third one's Eucharist. After the third one, I stopped. My grandfather died. I stopped going to church. I went down this path of going into hip-hop. It made me sick. I almost died. My body and everybody around me, everything was negative in my life. I'd clearly gone down the wrong path. He told me I went down the wrong path. Do you know what the fourth sacrament is in the Catholic Church?
0: I should know because I was uh, raised (laughs) Catholic and and on the spot.
1: Um, Reconciliation.
0: Reconciliation.
1: When I left the music industry... I reconciled my life. I said, I made a mistake, and I have to get back on the right path. I reconciled my life. I completed my fourth sacrament. Do you know what the fifth sacrament is?
0: You're going to get me in trouble with my parents right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The fifth sacrament is anointing the sick. That's what I did this entire year. I biked across America helping people. who We paid off mortgages, paid off medical bills, bought cars for them, inspiring people, helping people transform their lives who are in bad places. I did the fifth sacrament. Do you know what the sixth sacrament is? Marriage. For the first time in my life, I'm in a relationship. I am going down my grandfather's path. He wanted me to go down, except I took a 12 year detour into the music industry but he brought me back and he said he always had a plan for me and he's my guiding light and the only thing I would do is I would tell myself to spend time with my grandfather when he was dying instead of with that girl
0: wow man I gotta tell you first of all thank you for sharing that completely unexpected mm mm-hmm did not expect that's where you are going to go. And it's, it's beautiful, man. Thank you, man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for, for uh, reaching right back out to me. Um, thank you for making the trip here. Um, thank you for your podcast, which everybody needs to listen to, um, and just for doing what you do. You got a great heart and you're doing incredible things.
1: I appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. Thank you, bro.
0: This was great. All right. I hope you love Charlie as much as I do. But now let's make it all about you and what you need with some top takeaways. One, the advice he got from his mom's old boss. If you want to be successful, you have to be of servitude. Are you doing this? Ask yourself, are you approaching your work and your life and saying, how can I be of service to others? I'll tell you, most of the people I sit down with on this podcast say that same thing. Everyone that's super successful, they all say, how can you provide for others, make others, other people's lives better? Then you'll end up benefiting. Number two, shut down the brain, follow your heart. Don't approach everything like an adult. Tap into that childlike wonder you used to have you really can dream big charlie i mean the dreams he he said people thought he was nuts when he was saying the things he said or they were confused but somehow he has attained these goals so really ask yourself are you keeping a lid on it because maybe you are actually one of the people listening and you're going well i'm doing everything i'm i'm, I'm on the path well could that path be even more close to what your original dream was. But number three is going to keep you in check. And that is do the work. He really did the work. We talked about reverse engineering and he would say, okay, I want to be a Nike athlete. What do I need? I'd get a commercial. And then he went and he did it. So you've got to actually do the work because if you're just telling everybody what you're doing, what you're about to do, or you're just sitting on your couch, thinking these thoughts... I don't think anything's going to really happen for you. You actually have to hustle. And then you also have to ask for help, as Charlie did to get on this podcast in the first place. Are you asking for enough help? It's all around you, but you just have to ask. That's the perfect segue for me to ask you guys for your help. If you're liking this podcast... Please spread the word, put it on social media, um, share it with your friends, text, email, whatever it is. If, if you guys want to get really bold, this is what would really help me. Um, in addition to doing an iTunes review, uh, giving it five stars and a nice review, which helps it with the algorithm on iTunes of how it gets higher in the charts— If you could do a a selfie video and send it to info at 10000 com, or post it on your social media, or just take a screenshot, a screen grab of your phone as you're listening and tag me at Maddie Dell on Instagram. And I will repost it on my Instagram story. Uh, I might put it on my feed. You can tell me if you don't want me to put your name. But the, the point is, where I need help with this is, is to have other people who have yet to discover 10,000 knows see what it is that actual listeners are getting from it. I don't want people to just feel like, you know, you're coming here, you're listening, and then you go away and you forget about it. Uh, what I'm hoping is that if you're coming back again and again, you're getting something from this show. And if you could somehow express that in your own words, and then I can share it with others, it's going to really help build the audience even more than it already has. And it's really exponentially grown. So I'm I'm very grateful, but always wanted to have more of an impact. Um, if you're looking for other episodes that might be related to Charlie, I'd suggest Jimmy Jam, uh, he's the the record producer. I think I mentioned him at some point in there. I'm not sure. Mark Duplass, uh, a writer, director, actor, producer. I worked with on Goliath in the second season, and he went outside the Hollywood system with his brother Jay, and they created an empire, a couple of similar themes to Charlie. Um, and then Susie Yaloff-Schwartz, who was the makeover fairy godmother in the fashion world. And then she became the founder and CEO of Unplugged Meditation here in California, Southern California. Uh, Another great conversation. And next episode to look for is going to be my friend, strength coach, Jay Faruja. He's so much more than just a strength coach. He had a complete reinvention. Uh, He talks about that. That's why I want to put him at the beginning of the year. Um, But he helped me to get into tip-top shape for my upcoming Netflix comedy series, Huge in France. It'll be out in April of 2019. And he's got some really great takeaways on how he came out of his shell uh, when he moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. And and he has just completely reinvented himself. Uh, I think you'll be inspired by that. Meantime, have a great week. Thank you for joining. If you like this episode, let people know about it. And we'll see you again on 10,000 No's.